Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jay and Fina, the Raspy Voice Kids, presenting the Hail West Virginia podcast. Once again, we're p- presented by Shrinka Bulls. Swill Dog, the finest hard cider. That's right. Get swilled. Sandwich you, king of the fat sandwich, and Astrock Auto, the best dealership in the land. We also have Jim Ashley, the quintessential businessman and soon-to-be world traveler. He will be joining us to talk about the Oklahoma State Review. We're also going to talk about the Oklahoma Sooner Black Friday preview. Our pop culture this week is talking about can you keep a secret? Yeah, can you? And also, we're going to finish up with the best, Just Quit Oklahoma. So get ready, get buckled in. We about to go. All right, I am J.N. Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids. Today on pop, today's pop culture, we're going to be talking about can you keep a secret? Now, it's funny because you, you go to people and you, you tell them, or maybe your good friends, you say, don't tell anyone. Or you got to promise not to tell. How much does that really mean? Like, I know that we all have friends that we can 100% trust. And we like to think that we're trustworthy. I mean, are you? Do you think you're trustworthy? All right, so you go to these other people and you say, hey, look, you got to swear not to tell. How many of your friends do you really trust and believe won't say a word? I'm sure there's some people. I'm sure there's some people who are very trustworthy that you know that if you tell them not to say anything, they're not going to say a word. There's also those other people, those other people that you already know on your list, that if you tell them your business is going to get out. The funny thing that happens is people will get the information that you tell them and they will look at it. And the truth is, they ultimately are the ones who will make the decision on whether what you're telling them is is uh, is valuable enough or they'll they'll decide the priority level it needs to be given. And if that priority level doesn't reach the level of entertainment value that they're going to get from telling somebody else, guess what? 
your business is in the street. Everybody's going to know. And everybody's going to be like, oh, I don't know how they found out. Well, somebody had to know. The, fun, the, thing, <laughs> the thing is, the old saying is, if two people know something, it's not a secret. And that's the truth. Unless you keep it to yourself, there's no way to, 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 to you know, keep it not excuse me, no way to keep it a secret. If you tell one person, man, it's out there. It's just, <laughs> it's out there. And the funny thing is when you ask people or, or you, you know, you go to people and you say, Hey, look, you got to swear not to tell anybody. What's the first thing they always say? Oh man, who am I going to tell? Who do I know? You know, I don't talk. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Everybody always says that. And somehow everybody knows the business. You tell me, you don't tell nobody. I don't tell nobody, but that's not how it works. What happens is you tell that one person and that one person just has to tell somebody and they say the same old good song, line and dance. You got to swear not to tell anybody. And it's a domino effect until everybody knows your business. So the bottom line is this. If you don't want people knowing your business, keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself. That's what it is. I also find this uh, awkward moment where you're trying to figure out if somebody knows something that you know, but you can't let them know that you know. So what do you do? You go to them and you start asking like these leading questions so you can figure out if they know or yeah, you can figure out they know. You ask these leading questions, but these leading questions can't seem like leading questions. So you ask them in a way that's not really leading and it's just awkward. It's just really awkward because now you're trying to decipher, decipher. You're trying to look at their body language and the way their head tilts and just to see if they're giving away something like, do they know? And the whole time you can't give away that you know something. It's a funny dance. It's a funny thing to go round and round with. It's something that we deal with uh, ever since we were young teenagers, young kids. It's always that you got to promise not to tell. You got to keep it to yourself. How often does that really, really happen? So if you do have a friend that will keep it to themselves, who really is locked down, and I have a few of them. I know a few people who are straight up locked down, shut down. I also have a few friends who I already know they may tell some people. I already know that they're going to give the old, don't tell nobody, yo. just keep this between us. I'm not really supposed to say nothing. And then you have those friends that you just don't tell nothing to because you know it's going to be all over the streets. It doesn't mean that they're not your friends. It does mean that they're not trustworthy and you're not going to trust them with your business. So that's the pop culture for this week. Let us know. Are you that person? Can you keep a secret? Or do you have any friends that can? They're an important thing to have. That's it. Rack me, boys! This is former WVU quarterback Chad Johnston, and you're listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. This is JN Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids, and we're joined by Jim Ashley, the quintessential businessman and soon-to-be world traveler. We're here to talk about a game that we all don't want to talk about, but we have to. We all witnessed it. It finally caught up to us. Finally caught up to us. Not finishing games, not finishing halves. In Stillwater, it was a rough game. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It was just a tough game to watch. That second half, we went up 31-14, end up losing the game 45-41. It was just a tough one to swallow as all Mountaineer fans. And we know we're not alone. We know the team feels it. Coaches feel it. As a state, as a whole, it's one of them games that you just felt. Jim, man, how how'd you feel? What would you think about the game? Man... I'll be honest with you. It was my birthday that day. I was in Myrtle Beach at Broadway Louie's at the WVU Alumni Game Watch. 
And when we lost that game, you could just felt all the air was just sucked out of the room. People were upset. Some were crying. Some were, some were mad saying that the players suck and the coaches suck, which I don't want to hear that crap. If you're going to say the players suck and the coaches suck, go watch Marshall. Go watch another school. Just don't be yeah. wearing that golden blue. Don't be saying yeah. that crap. I mean, we just lost the game. The wound is fresh, and here you are wanting to pour more salt into it. But it was horrible. The, I mean, my big thing is I understand sometimes you have to go for it on fourth down. But if you're leading, just take the points. Take the easy three points. I mean, that very, very, very last drive, we could have marched down the field and easily punched in a three to win it. Instead, we have to go for a desperation touchdown and – David Sills got held, and the ref saw it and didn't even reach for his flag. Horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible thing to witness. No, it's tough. And I want to address the, the fans. Like, I guess it's to be expected for fans. That, that's what fans do. They go a little crazy. They say things that they shouldn't say. But I do think that there's le- levels to this. Never should it rise to the point of being disrespectful. That being said, man, it, it was just a tough game to watch. I'm with you, man. Literally, when the game ended, I actually turned it off of the play before it ended, and I just sat, hands in my lap, and stared at a TV that was already off. Just I looked at it. I literally felt like like ten minutes. Maybe it wasn't that long, but I just I mean, what do I do now? Well, how do we were up 31-14, and we lose a game like this, man? It's just it's just a tough a tough one to stomach for everyone, and and uh, man, it just hurt. I, I mean, there, there's no other way to to. to, to, to you know, size it up. I think everybody will agree, man. It, it just hurt. Let me get to the good things. The first thing I want to say is, first of all, we did put up 31 points in the first half. We looked good for a half. Um, let's let's look at the sacks. Keith Washington with half a sack. Zeke Rose with half a sack. Giovanni Stewart with a sack. We had the turnover chain come out. Uh, Toyus Avery. Get, oh, that interception by Toyus Avery was beautiful. Keith Washington got an interception. There was a couple fumble returner. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, fumble recoveries. We had four turnovers in all. Will threw for 364 yards, two touchdowns. McCoy had 148 yards, two touchdowns. Sills and Jennings both had, uh, you know, their, their, their game touchdown. But with that being said, man, outside of that, um, and it's tough. I, when you put up 41 points, it's tough to be like, oh, well, the offense. But if you watch the game, if you watch the second half, honestly, like I said to start this, it was us not finishing. Um, uh, what's his name? Gundy. Gundy said, I want to give our coaches uh, a lot of credit because they made tremendous adjustments at halftime. And they did. They put points up on five of six drives in the second half, four of the five being touchdowns. It just felt like our offense, our defense was completely inept in the second half. We couldn't come up with a play. We had to make a play. And and for whatever reason, it just escaped us, and it was just you know a a tough one, a tough I don't want to say tough cross the bear, but it was just a tough one to watch, man. Like I think we all felt the same. I was I was totally down in the dumps. Um, I couldn't watch. I I actually tweeted that out. I can't watch sports for the rest of the week, and for the rest of the weekend, and and I didn't. I didn't watch anything to that Monday night game, which that was a beautiful one. But man, it was it was just completely tough to to, to watch. Yeah, it was, and it's just when you're surrounded by all the Mountaineer faithful, and at, at least when you're surrounded by them, that you have a sh- shoulder to cry on, so to speak. You can, you can vent, you can gripe, but like you said earlier, don't let it get to the level of disrespect. 
that fan down in Myrtle Beach who kept coming up to me saying the team sucked. I finally said, buddy, we're not the Verizon postgame show. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, and, and I get it. Look, I went, I went through a whole, a whole flurry of emotions. Like, when, when we first lost, I was I was in the depths. I, I think depression goes through stages. We all know that. And I and at first, I was just really down. And then I got to this point where I'm like, look, I don't want to talk to you. I, I, I turned off my phone. I didn't want to hear from people. And it's, it, it always blows my mind how people from nowhere that you haven't talked to for so long all of a sudden start texting you. I had a friend from Michigan texting me right after, hey, what happened? Homeboy from Alabama. I ain't heard from dude all year. And I, and I get a text, man, what happened? Look, I don't want to talk to you guys. So, so I went to that stage of the, that, that anger. But, you know, I recovered. And, that, and that's what fans do. You Look, you're allowed to feel down. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to talk about things that didn't go right and things that you want to, to, to be better and things that frustrate you. But don't let it rise to the, to, to the disrespect level. This season is not over. We have a lot to play for, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Despite the loss, Jim, do you know what happens if we win on Saturday? Uh, we're headed to Dallas, and I'm waiting, hoping we head to Dallas so I can go ahead and book my flight. <laughs> Amen. We win on Saturday, and we're in the Big 12 championship. The question I have for all the Mountaineer fans, for everybody who is killing the team, now, I'm not – I understand you can be irritated. I'm sure most people are irritated with the 5 for 18 on third down, with us not being able to score more than 10 points in the second half, with us not being able to stop them on five of their six drives in the second half. But my question to Mountaineer Faithful is this. If I told you before the year started that the last game of the year we were going to have a chance to go to the Big 12 championship, the last game of the year – uh, when Oklahoma comes to Morgantown, comes to our house, if we beat them, we are in the Big 12 championship. How many people would have said, I'll take that? Don't answer, because everybody would have. And you know where we're at? Despite the loss, despite the setback, if we win on Saturday, we are in. We made it harder than it had to be. But win Saturday, and we're in. We're right where we want to be. Now, granted, that being said, we look at the holes. We look at things that we didn't execute. And, and and you know, some people are like, oh, we're going to get killed next week. And, uh. and, and Oklahoma is a great team, and we'll get into that. But we have the opportunity that we wanted, a home game in Morgantown to go to the Big 12 championship. So we got to rally because this season's not over. Because what's going to happen, Mountaineer Faithful, yes, yes, the big picture of making the playoffs is out probably, more than likely. But begin, to start the year, the goal is always to win a Big 12 championship. The goal is always to win your conference, and that's where we're at. And that's what we have ahead of us. Yeah, I mean, we've never won a Big 12 title in football since we entered the conference. We've actually grown accustomed to winning the Big East just about every year. and But we, we control our own destiny on Friday night. That's the bottom line. We control our own destiny. Yes, it's going to be an uphill climb. Yes, it's Oklahoma. We have not beaten Oklahoma since we entered the conference. But you know what? If everything goes right, if everything goes right, I think West Virginia will beat Oklahoma, and we'll all be booking our overpriced flights to Dallas. <laughs> I hope you're right. I really do, and I hope the team gets refocused. It was a tough loss in Stillwater, but we can bounce back, and there's still tremendous opportunity in front of us. 
We take our losses. We take our licks. We win as a team. We lose as a team. We win as a state. We lose as a state. Mm-hmm. Either way, I don't, you know, take a couple days, feel down, but we bounce back. And I'm when I say take a couple days, feel down, I'm not talking about the team. Team has to get ready right now. Us as fans. Friday night comes. Black Friday in Morgantown. We better be out. We better be loud. Because trust me, this is a moment that you may not want to miss. We pull this off. You are not going to want to miss telling your kids, hey, I was there when we beat Oklahoma. I was there when we went to the Big 12 championship. So it was a tough loss in Stillwater. Nobody can nobody can uh, try to, to play that any other way. It hurt. It, it, it really hurt. But it's all still ahead of us. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I'm looking forward to the game on Friday. I mean, everyone get your shopping done, get your dinner in. Then pile up on that couch, turn on the TV, or if you're in Morgantown, get your shopping done, get your tailgating in, then pile up in your seat and get ready to watch a football game. This is what you want. Here we come, Black Friday, West Virginia, the Sooners, we out. Rat me, boys! Astor Auto of Charleston is West Virginia's premier automotive luxury dealer. We sell Land Rover, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, Volvo, and Audi brands. We also have a wide variety of pre-owned luxury cars at our store on Corridor G. Our service department also goes the extra mile and aims to exceed your expectations. We offer free pickup and delivery on service appointments to make your life easier. Come experience a new level of service. Astorgado of Charleston, a tradition of automotive excellence. Learn more at astorgado.com. That's right, bring it! We right here, we're not going anywhere, we right here. Jay and Fina, the Raspy Voice Kids, and we're talking about that Oklahoma preview. The Sooner, Boomer Sooner, coming into Morgantown, Black Friday, it's time to get down. Now, what do we know about Oklahoma? Well, if you're paying attention, man, they are pretty much unstoppable. Absolutely amazing on offense. Let's not front. Colin Murray, man, that boy's off the chain. He uh, He's averaging 315 yards passing. Uh, he's thrown for 3,300 yards, th- or 3,310 uh, passing yards, 34 touchdowns, only six interceptions, a 205.8 passing rating. The truth is, if, if it wasn't for Tua, all anybody would be talking about is Colin Murray. Kyle Murray is so dynamic and so incredible. I mean, he really is. He uh, he throws pinpoint passes. He's also super fast. And you you couple that with Lincoln Riley, man, it's it's a major major problem. This offense is averaging 575 total yards um, on offense. What do you do with that? It doesn't matter who who's played him. You think about last year, Kyler Murray was a starter. Baker Mayfield was, but even Georgia Georgia's vaulted defense got lit. Up. Now, granted, they won the game because they scored more than 50 points in the bowl game uh, in order to go to the national championships against Oklahoma. But the truth is, nobody's figured this offense out. This offense is simply ridiculous. Think about it. They have three guys who have rushed for over 700 yards. Three guys who have 10 touchdowns rushing the ball. One of them being their quarterback. Like, I figure most of us are sports fans, so most of us have paid attention to Oklahoma. But if you haven't, Kyler Murray, man, the way he runs the ball is better than any running back. 
He really reminds me running the ball of Michael Vick, except for I feel like he has more accuracy throwing the ball and probably a better offense coordinator. Honestly, that's the difference. Lincoln Riley is a genius on offense, but also Trey Sermon, a running back and Kennedy Brooks. Also, they have over 10 yard, uh, 10 touching, 10 rushing touchdowns. They're a problem. They're an issue. The receivers, Marquise Brown has a thousand yards. CD Lamb has 800 yards. Both of them have over, well, eight, at least eight touchdowns receiving. Lee Morris also has eight touchdowns receiving. Like they spread the ball around and it makes sense because they, they're averaging 49.5 yards, uh, excuse me, 49.5 points per game. The only good thing about us, if you look at this game, the good thing about us is that they're they're only averaging 46.2 yards on the road. So we get a little break. They're coming to Morgantown. Do we have a chance? Well, the thing is, I think, first of all, let's talk about the Oklahoma State game a little bit, which we just did. It was tough. It was rough. Um, It was really tough to watch. But we're in the position that we want to be in. I said this last segment. If you told Mountaineer fans... Last game of the year against Oklahoma at home, we have a chance to go to the Big 12 championship. Every one of you would have taken it. And that's where we are right now. We have that ability. We have the ability to bounce back. Our defense has showed that we can play defense. Last game, not so great. There's been a few games that haven't been so great, but we've shown in, in multiple games this year that we can lock down at times. So now we're playing this great offensive power. But what about Oklahoma's defense? Oklahoma's defense is abysmal, man. It's garbage. Every team that they've played have put up massive numbers against this defense. Uh, against yeah, Oklahoma's defense. They got a few guys who can make tackles. They got a few guys who can put pressure. But the truth is, every single team they play, from Texas Tech to Baylor to Oklahoma State to Texas, every team that they've played have put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. So this game really boils down to, I really feel, I feel like it's two things. Can our defense make a play? I don't expect our defense to shut down Kyler Murray. So can our defense make a play? The other thing is, can we play a full offensive game? We are going to put up points. Willie, Will Greer, Mountain Greer is going to put up points. Sills, Jennings, uh, Sims, all these dudes, offensive line, the running backs, McCoy, we are going to put up points. But can we consistently put up points? It's going to be a close game. And it's not one of them games where you can put up 31 points and win. No, 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 no. The over-under, I believe, is uh, 84 points on on a lot of different sports uh, betting sites. 84 points. That's right. We're going to have to score at least 45 points to win this game. Some people think it's it's 50. This is going to (laughs) be, if you watch that that Rams-Chiefs game, that's exactly what this is going to be. Can our defense come up with a stop in the fourth quarter? Actually, it's going to have to be a couple stops. Can we do it? The truth is, we definitely can. Our defense has shown that we can make plays, that we do have big-time performers. Um, Last week, they got to us. There's been a few weeks they got to us, but we do have the ability to make plays. I don't think their defense does. I've been saying all year, that's what gives us the edge. I think offense for offense, maybe theirs is a tiny bit better than ours. Maybe I would say more consistent. That's what I should say. They're more consistent than ours. But I feel like our defense is more consistent than theirs. Actually, I've never seen a defensive game that they've played all year that I was like, wow, look at their defense. Whereas our defense has held people to seven points and 14 points and shut them out. Like like our defense has shown the ability to really play ball. 
Um, it's tough when you look at Oklahoma, though, <laughs> as Mountaineer fans. I mean, it's just the truth. Like, I think we've lost six straight, and the last couple have been have been pretty pretty good beatdowns. Um, yeah, they, they really have. They've been pretty good beatdowns, but. Come Friday, man, we're going to have to get up. We're going to have to get up and we're going to have to get ready. And these guys are going to have to put the last game behind them. And we're going to have to play ball because everything that we've ever wanted is in front of us. Not everything. Okay. I guess that's not a national championship, but the goal before the year of winning a big toe off championship, that is definitely right in front of us. So we got to focus and we got to play. We got to play ball. Now, one thing I want to say is. Coaches always get killed. You know, you lose a game and coaches always get killed. And look, I'm not saying they're above criticism. Last game, offensively and defensively, they deserve to be criticized, especially in the second half. But I'm going to give all Mountaineer Nation, because, you know, everybody's, you know, 2020 hindsight. Oh, I'm a genius. I'm just saying right now, I'm giving you the platform. I'm giving you the platform. I'm asking you, Mountaineer Nation, how would you stop Kyler Murray? I'm waiting. I'm just listening. Because I'm sure after the game, everybody's going to have a, we need to fire Gibson. We, oh my goodness, look how many yards. You know what? That's what happens. Here's here's the thing. Maybe you don't have the answer, but nobody else does. Not Maybe not Tony Gibson. Like, well, we love the man from Van, but the truth is he has not shown that he's been able to master this Oklahoma offense. But, you know, there's no shame in that because nobody has who has mastered the Oklahoma offense? Going back to last year, you have an SEC defense in Georgia. They gave up over 40 points. This year, who has even slowed down Oklahoma's offense? I said 49.5. So nobody has answers. Nobody knows what to do. And granted, our coaches get paid money. And granted, it's their job. I'm just saying, a lot of people have jobs who have no clue how to slow down this Oklahoma offense. You, me, Hopefully, Tony, Tony Gibby has it. Hopefully, he has a plan. Hopefully, he's going to deploy something we've never seen. I'm just saying that if he doesn't and we come up short, don't be surprised because nobody has answers for Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray's offense. That's all I'm saying. They they are a incredible, incredible history, um, one of the best in history offenses. But what I'm hoping, and I know that we're capable of, is our offense is also very capable of putting up big-time, big-time stats. Our defense is also capable of playing good defense and making a few plays. Look, I'm not talk, talking about holding him to 20 points. I'm saying if we can hold him 41 points, if we can hold Oklahoma 41 points, and we can go, oh, and we're going to have to, like I said, we're going to have to score 45. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a Rams-Chiefs. If we can do that, we can get the W. But we have to do our job. It's Friday night, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. Everybody's feeling merry. Everybody's happy. Under the lights, Motown. This is what we dream of. This is what we live for. I've heard people say, I'm not going because of what? Are you serious? You're not going because what happened last game? Like I said, this is a moment in history. You may not think we're going to do it, but if we do do it, if we beat Oklahoma and go to the Big 12 championship, you are not going to say that you didn't go because you didn't believe. Don't stop believing. That's what, hold on to that feeling. That's where we're at. It's, it's Morgantown. This is what, this is why you go to college football games. Like you go for under the lights, the magic, the energy. And if you miss this, 
and we win, you'll never forgive yourself. Show up at the stadium, be loud, be raucous, and I don't care, meet me on the 50-yard line after we win. Look, let's plant our own flag on our own turf. I don't care. Let's go, Mountaineers. We're going to see you. Here come the Sooners. Guess what's up next? Just quit. Can't wait for it. Let's go. This is Major Harris, and you listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. It is now time for the Raspy Voice Kids RVK Golden Blue interview. We have a man who held 25 school passing records and total offense records when he left West Virginia University. He's the fifth fastest quarterback in NFL history to reach 20,000 passing yards. Second fastest quarterback in NFL history to reach 15,000 passing yards. That was just 56 games, in case you're wondering. The fastest quarterback in NFL history to complete 1,000 passes in just 45 games. He's a two-time NFL Pro Bowl selection player and... He was named Pro Bowl MVP in 2003. We have Kate and Meg's brother, Mark Bulger. Mark, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Brandon. Yes, I am definitely uh, their brother. It's <laughs> I'm not the NFL quarterback. I'm, I'm Kate and Meg's brother in West Virginia. I know that much. <laughs> that never changes, right? I love it. I remember when you first stepped on Mountaineer Field, and my dad said, they're going to break him. <laughs> he thought you were the tiniest quarterback he ever saw, and he was so worried. Um, and then it turned out you were okay. What was that like the first yeah. time you stepped out on the Mountaineer field? No, oh, it was crazy. You know, in 1995, I was redshirted, but we had a pretty good team. You know, Chad Johnson was the quarterback, and I couldn't believe I actually got a scholarship. <laughs> and uh, I looked at these guys, I go, holy cow, this is crazy i'm even on the same field as them but uh it was an honor and coach nealon used to call me the skinny kid from pittsburgh and trust me when i got the nfl i wasn't wasn't much bigger i think i played about 200 205 pounds so yeah but you did okay in the nfl 11 seasons um at one point you were the highest paid ram in in rams history you you did okay and you did okay at west virginia i was looking through the stats you still rank second in career passing yards third in sing in a single season passing yards fourth in career passing touchdowns and you did that in a don nealon offense that was not an air raid system do you do you know i mean I, i'm sorry go ahead no you go ahead you're the you're the guy it's my fault i'm sorry <laughs> no i love these guys now i mean everyone asks if you know you know if you're jealous of these guys to play nowadays and I'm happy for them. It, it's great that I don't think they're getting hit as much, and you know, not that I'm I mind that, that, but you know, they can just get rid of the ball quick and let their playmakers. You know, I had Jerry Porter and guys like that. I think they were just ahead of their time. You know, Major Harris. When we look back at West Virginia, he was a guy now that would probably be a top five pick. Um, he was just ahead of his time, and good for those guys. And how about you know what Will did down in Texas? It was, it was awesome. Was there a game in Texas? I don't know. Was, I, I missed it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I saw you. I, we follow your tweets, so I saw, man. It's always good to get that winning feeling. I, um, you know, that was going to be one of the questions I asked is, how do you feel looking at the other offenses that have come since you played? Um, Rich Rodriguez's offense doesn't seem like it would fit you quite as well. The air raid would have been perfect for a guy like you. And, of course, they don't quite do an air raid anymore. Um, but I wondered if you drooled, but you, you have such a great attitude, such a wonderful attitude um, to just love what, what you're seeing out there right now. Um, I, I do wonder, how does a guy from Pittsburgh end up in Morgantown? 
Oh my gosh. <clears throat> long, long story, but we actually had a, I wasn't getting recruited by anyone. I played one year in high school and we had a tight end getting recruited and Virginia tech actually uh, came up and moved. they were looking at the tight end, Brian Arndt, and they came to practice and they said, where's your quarterback going? And they were like, well, yeah, he's not getting recruited. And coach Beamer called me the next day and offered me a scholarship. I almost fell on the floor. This is back, you know, before <laughs> cell phones too. So the house phone rang and I, yeah. <laughs> And uh, once you get one of those, you know, offers, uh, you know, the ball starts rolling a little bit. I don't have many offers, but then, uh, you know, I visited Virginia Tech in West Virginia and Maryland. And on signing day, my parents asked me where I wanted to go. And I gave them my opinion. I kind of liked Virginia Tech at the time. And my mother told me, you know, hey, that's a great choice, but guess what? You're going to West Virginia with Coach Nealon, so <laughs> I didn't have much of a say in the matter. Your mom is a, is a tremendous woman with great foresight and insight into what is best for a young man. I'm so glad that she made that decision for you. She and also, I mean, the, in... the, the stench in Blacksburg didn't bother you? No, oh, my visit was too much fun, I think. But oh, you know what? You know, I went to West Virginia, and I think it was like December 27th or something, and it school was out I go what's this place you know but you know after you know with coach Nealon I mean the the friends I've met and the state that's what I, I try to explain to people the whole state is just one big city you know people say New York City this this is or San Francisco or wherever but West Virginia I'd consider it one state and the people the pride people take in saying they're from West Virginia or you went to West Virginia um adopted West Virginia I love it. And just our family community is second to none. Well, we're Parkersburg guys. Um, and so we agree with you. We, we know exactly what it's like. And you know, if you meet a Mountaineer anywhere, you see somebody wearing gold and blue or the flying WV, you say, let's go. You're going to get back a Mountaineers. And so it's, you're right. It is a, it's a tremendous community and, and we take care of each other. Even, even in uh, times when we're, we don't have unity and who we're rooting for on the field. And speaking of that kind of unity, I know that your family's from the squirrel, squirrel hill, hill neighborhood in Pittsburgh and you guys just recently experienced a terrible tragedy at the synagogue. What what kind of impact does that have on you, having having been born and raised there? Yeah, it, it hits home. Um, you know, yeah, we're like Greenfield, Squirrel Hill, probably a quarter mile from where that shooting was. I mean, I grew up driving past that or walking past that every day. When I go home, we drive past it because my parents' house is on the way, and then where we went to grade school in Sacred Heart and where my parents still go to church at Sacred Heart, we have to pass that place. And it's uh, it's just eerie, you know, to think that could actually happen. And my brother texted me at, I don't know, 8 a.m. that morning. We usually talk Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings. And uh, he said, you know, something's going on. You, you might want to check the news. I was like, there's, you know, let's play something small. And he, he said, no, it, something's going on. And uh, it's just super, super sad that, you know, it's a really, you know, we're, we're Irish Catholics, but the Hasidic Jews and, and, and the, the Jewish community there is really uh, provincial up there. I mean, and they, they they walk everywhere and they're so family oriented. For that to happen up there, it's just super sad. You know, you, you never want to see that happen there, let alone anywhere. So, you know, uh, I'm just glad my family is safe, but I, I feel bad for everyone that was affected by it. We feel the same way. I just, I knew it would have a personal impact on you, and that's different. Like, it's one thing to see something on TV and not have a connection. You might feel 
for the, for the people, but it's different when you are one of the people, you know, and, and, and so, I, you know, our condolences to your family, to your community, to your neighborhood, and especially to those who were affected by it directly. One of the things that I like about you, that I've liked about you, you know, since through your career, but especially after your career, is your commitment to helping people who are in need. And you started the Mark Bulger Foundation. And yes, uh, at the time, in 2007, yes. yep, that donation you gave, uh, you made the, I think it was, is it People's or, or was it, I think, yeah, People's Top 30 Celebrity Donation List. Um, so very generous <laughs> gift that you made over a million dollars. You just, um, this past, or was it in September, gave a hundred thousand dollars to WVU medicine. The yeah, we're building, a, um, yeah, Jeff Hosteller actually started this initiative and, uh, I think it's going to be the sixth floor. They're building four floors and he had a great idea of building a ch- children's unit. Um, the sixth floor would just be ex athletes, um, you know, we're trying to raise whatever, you know, he asked me for a hundred and there's some other guys giving a hundred thousand, um, and just putting lockers up there, you know, for these kids. And so I, my foundation has been primarily, uh, military and, and first responders, but I've actually changed my mission statement to include, you know, children with life threatening illnesses. So it was kind of, I don't know, you know, I'm not, <laughs> not going to beat, you know, the Bible on people's throat, but the Holy spirit kind of came in right there and it was the perfect timing to, uh, to help out there and you know kudos to jeff hosteller for for making this all happen i think it's going to be really cool once it's done well, it turns out that jeff hosteller guy's pretty he's a pretty nice guy i uh i ran into him after the baylor game he was telling me about the initiative trying to get the former athletes and um he told me exactly what it was that, that he was trying to do and of course i my dad i grew up in new york my parents grew up in new york so i grew up a giants fan so as soon as i saw him i recognized him even though the young whippersnappers in front of me didn't you know but we talked about that you know and I told him I work at a children's hospital and I worked at Ruby actually like I said when I got out of college so uh that's a this is a project that's near and dear to my heart and uh the hundred thousand dollars I don't have would be given if that was an option but at the moment it's not quite so I applaud all of you who do have it and are willing to pledge it because not everybody is even those um, who've been blessed. So that's that's an honorable thing. It's, a, it's an exciting thing. And with your foundation, one of the things I liked so much was the flexibility. Um, I, I saw that in the mission statement, it's not just about military families. That's a, that's a large part of what you do, but it's about essentially helping anybody who needs help, especially, like you said, children who've got these life-altering illnesses. Um, it, what Have you experienced any specific stories or specific moments that have really touched your heart? I mean, there's so many, I mean, for, for at least a decade, like it it was mostly military. My, my grandfather was a city cop. He walked a beat in Pittsburgh for 32 years. So that's kind of what got me into, you know, I work with quadruple amputees, Mm -hmm. triple amputees, doubles, PTSD, TBI, all that. But two and a half years ago, um, I was in Hawaii. I do an event. I'm actually doing it again this year for, Ace Hardware, they, they do crazy stuff, and it's Children's Miracle Network. And I met a kid, Parker Galecki, and I literally hung out with him for a week and his family at the pool. Um, yeah, tough tough life, right? Yeah. In Hawaii and coming at the pool. But you know what? I mean, this kid had a, like a 1% chance of living. His brain was the size of two basketballs. You, you should see the pictures. Um, and the kid's amazing. And right then and there, I knew I had a – not change my mission statement, but just expand it. Um, Cause these kids, 
and the military guys will tell you the same thing. And the first responders will tell you the same thing. You know, they signed up for what they did and I'm going to still continue to help them. I mean, I buy service dogs. I do their whole deal, but these kids are five, six, seven, eight. They didn't sign up for this. And the funny thing is they're the ones who don't complain at all. Yeah. It, it, it's simply amazing how tough they are. And as you know, Brandon, I mean, you work there, like you said, I mean, they, they just don't know any different and they let's go, you know? And it's, I said, you know what? I got to do something here because forget being a colonel in the Marine Corps. These kids are tougher than anyone I've ever met. Even, you know, probable defense lineman. I don't care. Give me a sexual <laughs> kid going to chemo. Those yeah. kids are tougher than any of them. Well, we just interviewed John Thornton. So, I mean, I, he might, he, he, I don't think he'll take ex- exception to what you just said. So, I'll, you know. No, JT's the best. I love John. I played with him for three years. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fantastic. I, um, we love it. We really do love it because you represent your family so well. You represent your community so well, but you represent Mountaineer Nation so well. Um, there, there are people who leave a mark that is very different. They, they make money, they attain a level of fame, and then it becomes all about them. Or even if it's not intentionally about them, they just do things that bring dishonor or that bring uh, reproach or frustration. And nobody can say that about the Bulger family. Nobody can say that about Mark Bulger. And certainly nobody can say about that about the Mark Bulger Foundation. Uh, so nothing but respect for that. And we're, we're grateful that you're willing to include so many people in what you're doing. And, and personally, one of the things I think about is the children, like you said, for a lot of them, it's all they know. And so they're so brave and they're so tough. And like you said, so many just they don't complain. They live their life and they make the most of it. I would imagine that your the the parents are impacted at a high level as well. And that's what I learned, I think, through, you know, my decade with the military working with them. You know, it's the families have just a tough job. You know, one of my best friends is a colonel in the Marine Corps and but his he's got kids at home. He's got a wife. He's deployed fifteen times. Fifteen combat tours. That that takes a a toll. So imagine having your kid and you're, you're watching your kid go through chemo or radiation or, or physical therapy or anything, you know, it's, uh, it takes a toll on everyone. And so, you know, it's a whole family deal. It's not, you know, but the, the thing is we, we have to never forget is it's the kids are going through the worst thing and they're just, it's, a, they're just amazing. And again, that's why I changed my mission statement. And that's why I self-funded it at first because I wanted to be, have the ability to change it. Because originally I never wanted to fund the foundation other than myself because I'd feel guilty giving to something that someone didn't want that money to go to. But I think maybe <clears throat> this time next year we may start doing it because I think I've built a pretty good foundation and I've vetted most of the organizations who do good work. Because believe it or not, Brandon, there's there's some out there that, uh, you know, it, it's their job and they're not passionate about it. But I'm well, telling you, I'm 100% passionate about what I do, and I know where every penny is going. Well, you can hear it in your voice. And the, our show, the Raspberry Voice Kids, we did a whole segment. We do a pop culture segment for every show. Um, and one of our pop culture segments was after one of the hurricanes called Don't Get Got. And it was about these fake charities 
that are set up or even mm-hmm. charities that aren't fake, but they're just not run very well. So you've got people who are executives who are making tons of money, spending it frivolously, um, and then a very small percentage of what you donate goes to where you thought it was going. And so just listening to your voice, you can hear the passion. And like I said, I, I've met you in person. I don't know if you remember this. I met you in person. I was able to get you to say our tagline, which is, uh, well, you didn't say it, but you, you let uh, Kate say, or Meg say it. I think it was Meg. Yeah, it was Meg. Meg will say anything. Meg, Meg, Meg seemed like she <laughs> was out of her mind. She was That's not my shy. Sister. I'm allowed to say it. She wasn't shy, and I didn't say it, Meg. He said it, but I said uh, it. She said, "This is this is Kate, and or this is Meg, and I'm with Mark, and we also hate Pitt, you know." And uh, but I oh, can yeah. just tell, like, just from you, you're a genuine person, and so you know we can believe that 100. percent And this is a this is a lot of heavy stuff. I'm gonna switch it over to some frivolous stuff, some some lighthearted stuff that does not matter. My brother Jeremy that's, that's, does a sh- what you say? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> My brother Jeremy does this show with me. He sent me some questions because he couldn't be here. He's he's working. Um, you know, you know how that goes. They make you go to work. You've done that before. Yeah, it gets in the way. It gets in the way, right? Yes, <laughs> it does. Like I have. I've, the one thing is, I have so many things I want to do, and they keep making me go to work. And I haven't gotten them to make a deal with me where they'll send me a check without me coming into work for whatever reason. <laughs> I with that. And they won't let me drink on the job. So there's two problems because here, here at this job, I can have a drink if I want to. But you know, right now I decided not to. I'm just relaxing. But he wanted to know who's the best receiver you played with. Because you mentioned Jerry Porter, but I remember, um, I remember Saunders. I remember Vanderpool. I, re- I remember, you know, you had, I mean, I guess if you want to include Anthony Beck, like who would you say is the best receiver you played that you played with? It doesn't have to be any one of those guys. It could be somebody from the pros too, because you played with Isaac Bruce and and uh, oh, uh, Torrey Holt. So who would you say? Who's the yeah. best receiver you ever played with? Oh, and now you're making me make one name. Um, and don't don't be afraid to hurt anybody's feelings because nobody even listens to the show, so you're good. No, I just, you know, <laughs> some guys run better out, some guys whatever. But if I had to pick one guy I'm going to on a specific play, Torrey Holt was, he's unbelievable. Yeah? In his in his prime, nothing like him. Yeah, he he uh, was, he, uh, he did okay. He did okay in the greatest show on turf. Yeah, he he was, uh, he could run around. I mean, his hands are so strong. And, you know, if you watch football, a lot of guys like to let the ball get to their chest. If you watch him, I mean, not that anyone has time, but he puts his hands out and just uses his fingers to catch the ball away from the defender, which I think is a lost art nowadays with a lot of this stuff going on. Um, well, the gloves he, help. He, he was amazing. Yeah, they help, but <laughs> Torrey Holt, I would say. All right, so you talked about Torrey Holt, so now we're talking about the Rams. We want to talk about Mike Martz. There's this excerpt that my brother sent me about an example of something you guys did for preparation. And you said, and I'm going to read it. It says, uh, there's 600 plays that you and the other quarterbacks had to draw out without error each night for Mike Martz. And you said it took about two and a half hours to run through the plays. How crazy is oh, that? At least. Yeah, every night. And I mean, it could be the most remedial play. It didn't matter. Every night it was. You know, say it was scattered a bunch right zip, base right hot seam, 422S corner swing. I can still remember them because every <laughs> night I had to draw the play, draw the defense, and then each coverage Mike had, Coach Martz, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, had where we had to go with it. If there was a hot, if there was a sight adjustment, which is like a corner coming, and you just had to know everything. And then you had to put three, five, or seven-step drop because it would change upon when you drop them back. 
and it was every night. So like I would get over, you know, done practice or leave the facility. I'd get there at seven, leave at 6 PM. And, but then I go home and have two hours more of work, but that's what made them so great, you know? And I don't know if I'd ever want to go do it again, but it's one of those deals, you know, when you appreciate after the fact, you know, kind of like your parents, you know, you'll, you'll like it 15, 20 years from now, if you know what you learned um, from him. And he's by far, I played for a lot more coaches since then. He, he knew more about offense in the NFL than everyone else forgot to this day. I guarantee it. They're all, they all copy him. I believe it. I remember those offenses. I remember what he was able to do. I remember what Kurt Warner and what you were able to accomplish with, like I said, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, or yeah, and uh, Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk wasn't too bad, yeah. Yeah, I was getting there. I was <laughs> getting there. Quick, I'll tell you a quick story. He, how about this? this? This tells you how good our team was. Kurt Warner won the NFL MVP. <clears throat> I believe it was 2001 when I was there. We went to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, we lost, but 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 Marshall Falk won our team MVP because the players voted. So that shows you how good of a player he was. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, one guy the was... NFL voted, the players or the, the the fans and you know everyone else voted Kurt's MVP and Kurt was awesome. But our team voted Marshall the the MVP of the team. So we had two NFL MVPs in our backfield. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah, you guys did okay. You really did. <laughs> I uh, So we talked about the game of Texas, horns down forever, and of course, you've been in big games before. I mean, you, you've been in big games. You've been on the good end of, of big games, been on the bad end. How? What advice do you have for the players this week for, that are going into – well, this is not going to air this week, but what advice do you have – coming off of a big win? Like, how do you stay focused on the goal at hand? Yeah, that that's it's difficult, especially with, you know, now that I'm up in age, I'm in my 40s now. So, I mean, you're dealing with, you know, teenagers and guys in their 20, 21, 22. It, it, it's tough. But as long as, I mean, it's that's what the coaches get paid for. I mean, obviously the players are the ones who make the plays and will – made the play and you know everyone else made the plays the coaches that's their job keep them focused and you can't overly burden them with saying hey this is a setup game no it's just that's why you need routine i've learned through my career in the nfl um and even in life with my daughters and everything in the foundation you need a routine if you don't have a routine you know when crap hits the fan you're going to go back to just what's easy but if you have a routine, it doesn't matter. So don't change anything as long as there's that routine. And I'm sure you've heard, Brandon, the 10,000-hour rule. I mean, as long as you have that, you're good. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic advice. And like you said, that's that's not just football. That's life. So hopefully those – Life. Hopefully the, 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 uh, old, the young lads will remember that this uh, – for this, for the rest of the season, they got a lot of important games, and and hopefully they'll they'll understand that. Just like everybody listening, myself included, um, hopefully we can put that into practice. We're telling them to pad their stats, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> pad them. Just Why put, not? Put them up, man. Just put them up because li- why listen, not? Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. A birdie's a birdie, you know, in golf. Or, That's right. You know, touch not the touch, and I don't care if it was Texas or if it's a two point convert. No, it, I don't care who you're playing. If you're playing Temple back when I was in the Big East. Get some touchdowns. Will, throw for six touchdowns. Keep it going. That's what Go. I say. The kids say, the kids say, run it up, man. Run it up. 
Oh, I'm with you. Feed me like Ezekiel Elliott or whatever. <laughs> Feed, <laughs> Feed me. Feed him. <laughs> hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. It's very gracious. Know you're a very busy man. You're doing the broadcasting. You're raising a family. You've got your foundation. We're so grateful that you're willing to give us some time. Thank you for joining the Raspy Voice Kids. Oh, wait. Before I'm done, three quick questions. Okay? These are yep. rapid fire. We ask everybody this. Major had to answer this. I think we asked Major. Um, Steve Slayton had to answer. Everybody's got to answer, okay? Bobby Huggins answered. I'm cool. Yep. All right. Best Pop-Tart? Oh, man. Um, strawberry, like, Boom. crispy, like, with the, the toast. Yep. Perfect. Strawberry. That's what I say. Me and my brother had a debate. He says brown sugars, and I say strawberry. Strawberry's number one selling. You got the oh, right answer. strawberry. Yeah, get that really hot. Yep. Lion King versus Toy Story. Ooh, oh, Lion King. All right, we're one for one. All right, uh, and finally, what <laughs> is the best fast food French fry? Oh, man. Mm, McDonald's. Hey, look, look, he got two out of three correct. That's perfect. Mark, again, like I said, thank you so much. Excellent interview, a lot of fun. Uh, you, When I was a kid, my first jersey, we got jerseys all the 98 year because we were pretty excited. We were there for the Ohio State game. We had season tickets that year. Uh, my brother oh, Jeremy, man. my brother You're killing me with age. Right? Well, <laughs> I met, I told, I see Gary Stills all the time, and I, I tell him, and he's like, "Please stop telling me how old I am." Is what he always says. <laughs> but I remember meeting him and Barrett Green. But my brother Jeremy bought, I and mean, he was the youngest, and he bought uh, me a Gary Stills jersey. My brother Mike had a Zaraway jersey, and Jeremy wore the Boulder. And so this is an Love honor. It. We're very grateful. Hope to see you soon. Um, and always, let's go Mountaineers. Let's go, Mountaineers. Brandon, I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And uh, let's keep it rolling here. Let's not stop with this Texas win. All right. Thanks. Rap me, boys. I feel the master. I feel we the master. Ready. 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 Well, come on. We well, come on. Ready. The raspy voice kids, the West Virginia Mountaineers, we are ready to tell you Oklahoma Sooners why you should just quit. You should just quit because you're coming to Morgantown on Black Friday. You're coming to Motown, our house to play ball. And I know you're thinking, oh, we've been there before. Before We've been there. We've done that. But you know what you haven't done? You're not playing Skylar Howard. You're not playing Chris Chuganoff. You're playing Will Greer. Big time talent, big time arm, weapons all around him. A dude who is going to be in New York. Look, you ain't playing these chumps. You ain't playing these other scrubs. I shouldn't call them chumps or scrubs, but you're playing real class when you come into Morgantown. And what happened last time you played a West Virginia legend? What happened? Do you remember? Oh, that's right. 2008, the Fiesta Bowl. Do you remember that? You remember a dude named Pat White? Do you remember what the score of the game was? Do you remember who got that one point whatever million dollar trophy? That's right, the West Virginia Mountaineers, 48-28. That's what happens when you play a Mountaineer legend. So the question is, can you handle another legend? Can you handle Will Greer? Well, no worries. We have the results right here. I see. I did that. I handed it to myself. We have the results, just like we were on Mari. I'm going to read it for you. Can the, the Oklahoma Sooners handle Will Greer? The results say 
you can not handle Will Creer. You can't do it. He's too much. Our offense is too much. We can put it together and we're going to put it on you. Oh, you don't believe me? Let me tell you who else says that you can't handle Will Greer. How about Charlie Brewer from, uh, from, from Baylor who put up 400 yards on your defense? What about Zach Nolan saying, just quit Oklahoma, you can't handle Will Greer because he put up 360 yards on your weak defense. Ellinger, UT says, just quit Oklahoma, you can't handle Will Greer. He put 324 yards. I just keep going and going. That's how terrible your defense is. That's why you need to just quit. What about Texas Tech, their combined quarterbacks putting up 336 yards on your terrible defense? Just quit. Cornelius put up 500 yards from Oklahoma Oklahoma State on your defense. Oklahoma, just quit. You can score some points, but you couldn't stop a nosebleed. Shout out, Bart Scott. Just quit. And we know that you've won some games over the past few years. We know that that you get the cream of the crop, crop recruits. But in the fa- past 15 years, what does that amount to? How many, how many conference titles have you won in a row, but have you won the national championship? Have you won the big game? No. In the last 15 years, all you do is choke with elite talent. You want to go back? Let's go back. 04, loss in the Sugar Bowl. 05, a 55-19 loss in the Orange Bowl. 08, loss in the Fiesta Bowl to who? The Mountaineers. That's right. Pat White, legend. You can't handle Will Greer. Just quit. 09, you lost the national championship. Uh, 2014, you lose 40 to 6 in the Russell Athletic Bowl. 2015, you lose 37 to 17 Orange Bowl. And last year, it shows it doesn't matter how great your offense is. It doesn't matter how historic your offense is. If you can't play defense, you ain't got nothing. That's right, you ain't got nothing. Then Bulldogs put them put it on you, 54 to 48. You scored 48 points and you still couldn't get over the hump. Just quit, Sooners. You're giving it your best shot, and you're just not making it. Just quit. Even your name shows that you guys are cheaters. The Sooners? Where did Sooners come from? Oh, the Sooners was a nickname given to Southern settlers who moved out to Oklahoma before President Grover Cleveland officially said it was open to be settled. Meaning you cheated. You moved out there too soon, Urs. Just quit. You're coming to Morgantown. You're going to get this whipping. We're ready to play ball. You're not playing the old quarterbacks we have. You're playing a great quarterback, great offense coordinator, and a defense that's ready to rise up. And the biggest reason why you should just quit is that during Saturday night's game and after Saturday night's game, when we're singing country roads on our home field, arm in arm, Mountaineer strong, all 1.8, and you realize that your hated rival... UT, I don't do this often, but horns up. UT and West Virginia are in the Big 12 championship, and you are not. Just quit Sooners. Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.